Acts chapter 9 is where we're at. We've been, we've been working through um, this series in Acts called Witness. And we've been seeing how God has been working, how Jesus has still been working, and He's working through His apostles, through His disciples, through His followers, not just the original twelve, but through many people. We saw how He worked through Philip, and we've seen how He transformed a man named Saul, and how He went about transformed radically, risking his life for the gospel, sharing a radical message, um, uh, experiencing radical reconciliation. We have seen uh, all kinds of wonderful things um, in this story so far, and today we're going to go back to a man named Peter, and we're going to see how God continued to work through Peter. But as we do that, before we read that passage, i got a question for you. Um, why, why would we spend time every Sunday hearing testimonies? Thoughts about that? Have you ever thought about why every Sunday in our worship gatherings, we take time out, we, we pause from the singing and from anything else that we're doing, and we listen to testimonies? We hear people share, well, this was what happened in my life this week, and this is how God answered my prayer. Have you thought about how important that is for us as a church? Some, some, maybe some nods, maybe some are like, well, I don't know, I guess it's kind of a fun thing to do. It's kind of nice to hear, kind of nice to kind of catch up and hear, hear what's been going on in people's lives. Well, here's why. Because as God's people, we are prone to forget that God is still working. We will forget. If we do not remind ourselves on a regular basis, systematically even, and for us, we, we've, we've pledged to make that a regular time of our worship gatherings because we don't want to forget that Jesus is still alive and He's still working in this world and in our lives. And if we forget that, and we will cease to praise. We will cease to thank Him. We will cease to worship. We will get discouraged. We will cease to work. We will ser- cease to serve. We don't want that to happen. We want to be faithful to God because He's been faithful to us. We need to be reminded that Jesus still powerfully works. That's what this passage is about today. That's why this little, this little short passage of a couple of little um, uh, uh, scenes with the Apostle Peter, that's why it's here. I, I, I truly believe that, that the author of Acts f- uh, fit this passage in to remind us that, okay, you've seen some pretty cool things, but then there's still this guy named Peter, and guess what? He's doing some pretty significant things that we're going to take a look at in a moment. To remind the readers and to remind us by the Holy Spirit, Jesus still powerfully works in the world. And He's working through us. He's working through His faithful witnesses. So, with that being said, let's take a look at Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, beginning at verse 32, and we'll read to verse 43. Acts chapter 9, verses 32 to 43. Follow along with me as I read this aloud. Now, 
As Peter went here and there among them all, he came down also to the saints who lived at Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas, bedridden for eight years, who was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose. And all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. Now, there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. In those days she became ill and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, Please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with them. And when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon, a tanner. This is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for uh, giving us this message. Thank you for... Uh, inspiring the human author to record this very significant passage and very significant uh, event in the life of one of your faithful witnesses. Father, I pray that you will speak to us now during this time. Help us to see the glory of Christ in the Word this morning and help us to have joy in it. For your glory we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I already stated it, I'm going to state it again, that what this passage is showing us today, that Jesus still powerfully works in the world. And you'll see that on the the screen in a second too. He's working. He's working. We see Him working here. Now, here's the thing. Here's what Acts is about. Okay, Acts is about the continuing work of Jesus in the world. Acts chapter 1, verse 1, says this. I don't have it memorized, so I'm going to go back. In my first book, O Theophilus, I dealt with, or I have dealt with, all that Jesus began to do and teach. That's how, that's how the author, uh, Luke, begins the book of Acts. He's talking about his first book, which was the, the gospel of Luke, the, the book that bears his name. And in that gospel, he told he, he, he wrote down all of the things that Jesus began to do and teach. Now, that's significant. He didn't say, I wrote in my first book all the things that Jesus did and taught. He said, all the things He began to do and teach. Because Jesus wasn't done. He was still working. 
And we see that we've seen that all throughout the book of Acts. When we started our series two years ago, we saw how the the disciples, after Jesus ascended into heaven, were actively praying and they received the Holy Spirit. And then they began to preach and they began to teach and they began to do signs and wonders as Jesus had done when he was alive. And we've seen that in the last few weeks as we've picked up this series again. And we've seen from chapter 8 on how, how Jesus is still doing things, how people are still coming to faith, how the gospel message, the, the teaching of Jesus is still going on, and how miracles are still happening, how transformation is still happening in people's lives. And that's what we see today. And the, the, the neat thing about this, uh, these two instances, these two uh, scenes of Peter and the miracles that he does, is they're just like what Jesus did. Jesus healed lame men, and they walked. He said, stand, rise, get up, take up your bed and walk. And Jesus brought people back from the dead. In fact, this scene scene of Tabitha, of of this woman in in her Greek name was Dorcas, this woman uh, being raised from the dead is, is, is almost exactly like Jesus did several times. In his ministry. Jesus is still powerfully working. Now, if Jesus was still powerfully working in the time of Peter and the apostles and these early disciples, what does that say about us today? Is he still working today? Do we still see these things? A few weeks ago, I shared some stories um, that um, author and missionary Nick Ripken shared in a book that he wrote called The Insanity of God. All you have to do is read a book like that and listen to the testimonies of missionaries all over the world to know that Jesus powerfully works in the world. He's still powerfully working. He's working all over the place. And we share testimonies every week. And that's that's a testimony of the fact that Jesus powerfully works in the world today. If you believe that, say amen. Okay. I don't usually ask for amen, or I prompt amens, but I might just do that today, just see if you're with me, okay? He's still powerfully working, but are you looking? That's a question, that's a question I want us to, to think about today. Are you looking for Jesus? Are you looking for those opportunities to see Him powerfully working? Let's look at a few things. Um, I do have three points because it seems to me that's a good way to, to focus our attention on this idea of, of Jesus at work and how we might respond to that. And the first point is this, that Jesus powerfully, still powerfully works in the world when believers are looking for people to serve in the name of Jesus. When, when, when believers are looking for people to serve in the name of Jesus. Look what Peter did in that first scene. Now Peter went here and there among them. <laughs> he came, and, or as he did that, he went to, and he came to, the saints who lived at Lydda. And there he found a man named Aeneas. Now I, I found that, I found it, I was looking, I was looking in the Word, and I found something, and I found that Peter was looking. He was looking for people in need. Because it says, he found a man. He didn't just, 
I don't think he just came across, just kind of incidentally, he's, he's not paying attention. He's on a missionary journey, but he's not looking for people in need. He's focused. He's got things to do. He's got to build that, that hut. He's got to build that building. He's not looking for people in need. He's got to share the gospel. He's got to preach. He's not looking for people to serve. No, that's not what he was doing. He's out there encouraging the saints. He's going here and there. He's left Jerusalem where his headquarters was. And he's out there looking for people to serve in the name of Jesus. And here he finds a man named Aeneas. And you can see his situation. He's been bedridden for eight years. He's paralyzed. We don't know what happened. Maybe, maybe an accident. Maybe he had a carpentry accident. I don't know, maybe he, uh, something happened in his life. Maybe a degenerative disease. We don't know. But he was paralyzed. He'd been that way for at least eight years because he'd been bedridden that whole time. And Peter sees a man who is in need. And he offers Jesus to him. It's, it's interesting that he doesn't say to him, Hey, um... Uh, do you want to get better? Or have you talked to a doctor? Have you tried this medicine? Have you tried this elective surgery that's pretty good? He, did, he, doesn't, he doesn't talk to him about a lot of things like that. And then he doesn't just help him and say, Hey, by the way, I'm a Christian. And then he, he does, he's not whispering his faith to him. The very first thing he says to him is, Christ Jesus heals you. He's up front immediately and he's talking to him about Jesus. He's, he's telling him that Jesus is able to deal with his problems. That Jesus is there for him. And then he tells him what to do. To rise and make his bed. Take care of yourself. Get back to your life. Get back to wholeness. Get back to completeness. Get back to taking responsibility for, for your life because you now have Christ in your, in your life and healing. I think we can, I think we can, um, I think we can follow um, Peter's example here. That as we're, we're looking for people to serve, we're looking for people to serve in the name of Jesus. I think that's really important. But notice another thing though. Notice what Luke doesn't tell us about Aeneas. Not, not directly. So there's a question mark here. This is not a place where I'd be dogmatic. This is not a place where I would, I would uh, create a doctrinal statement of some kind because it's unknown. But was Aeneas a believer or not? Was he one of the saints or not? Was he... A disciple of Jesus already. Was he a follower of Jesus already or was he not? Actually, Luke isn't very explicit. And so I take that to mean that we ought to serve people who are in need in the name of Jesus, whether they're believers or not. Aeneas, we don't know. Aeneas may have been, an, he, he may have just been a man in need, didn't know Jesus from Jacob down the street, or whoever. He, did, he didn't know who Jesus was, but he knew, after Peter served him, 
He knew after Peter had compassion on him, after Peter showed mercy to him and offered the power of Christ to him. doesn't matter if people around us um, follow Jesus or not. It doesn't matter if they're the worst kind of people. Man, if they're in need and we can do something about it, maybe we ought to. Maybe we ought to. Now think about the people that are in your life, the people that live on your street, the people who you might work with, the people who you might play with and recreate with, those, those folks who are in need, those folks who have, have something lacking in their lives. What are we doing about it? Do we love them enough Do we believe that Jesus still powerfully works in this world or not? And if we believe that, will we serve them in the name of Jesus? What was the result? Can't skip over this. Verse 35. In all the residents of Lydda and Sharon. Now Sharon is that, it's kind of like the county that, that this little small little city of Lydda was in. So that whole area around Lydda, all of the little hamlets and all the little out-of-town places, actually it's more like, it's more like Moxie and East Valley. Nah, it's more like what it is. It's not really county. All of East Valley heard about what happened in Moxie, okay? And about how Jesus changed somebody's life. And they turned to the Lord. That's awesome. See what happens when we believe that Jesus still powerfully works in the world and then we look for people to serve in the name of Jesus? How Jesus transforms lives. People are waiting to see if, if, if we really believe what we say we believe about Jesus. Well, let's go on. Because not only um, are we, uh, as believers, uh, sh- looking for people to serve, but we're also, we, 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 if we believe that Jesus uh, still powerfully works in the world, we, believers should be looking for help when they are in need and in their times of need. So are you looking for help? Or do you got this? See, this is probably the message most of us need to hear the most. Because we live in a culture where I got this. You know, we praise self-sufficiency. We praise independence and autonomy. We think it's a great thing. The culture says, that's the way you ought to be. You need to be strong. For men, that means you need to be John Wayne or you need to be, you know, the gladiator or Braveheart or somebody like that. And if you're a woman, you need to be, uh, I don't know, what are the, the latest, you know, independent, strong women, you know, Caroline in the city. Okay, that was in the 90s. I don't know. <laughs> All of my illustrations are, ten, are, are two decades old. But you... Oh, well, Tangled. Wonder Woman. Tangle, there you go. Of course, Wonder Woman, but oh, never. I won't get into Wonder Woman. If you've seen the movie, um, we can talk about it. But if not, I won't spoil anything. But yeah, okay, we got these strong female 
um, heroes and, and they're independent and they don't need a man for their life. They can do it on their own. And our culture praises that. And, and then that gets into our hearts and then we start to believe that too. And then it gets into our churches. And it gets into our relationships. And before long, we think, well, uh, this Jesus thing is good, and I like being a part of the church, but I don't really need community. I don't really need discipleship. I don't really need other people in my life like that. I got this. I can take care of things. Me and Jesus, we're strong. We're solid. If you're with me, say, oh me. Yeah, not amen. Oh me. This is a tough one. Okay, where is this at? Let's look at it. It's right here. It's right here in Acts. Now, verses 36 and 37 talk about this woman named Tabitha. Or Greek, Dorcas. Her name meant gazelle. She was a gazelle. I don't know what she's a fast runner, or, you know, I'm not sure. She might have been. But we we hear about this woman. She was full of good works and charity. She was a woman who is committed to using all of her resources to meet the needs of others. she's She's a good example of that first statement. But look what happens. She dies. And they do something somewhat unusual in Jewish culture. But you've got to understand that this is Joppa. This is a, a little a port city. It's, it's right on the coast of the Mediterranean. And it's, it's maybe a half day's journey from Lydda. And, and probably two or three days walk or journey from Jerusalem. And, you know, they're, they're pretty far away from the Jewish kind of center of culture. And so you can forgive them for not burying her immediately before sundown. They, but they prepare her body and they lay her in an upper room. And, and you know, I, I'm thinking they're, they have, they're, they're mourning in a, a little bit different way than the typical Jewish uh, family or Jewish community might mourn. Um, but, um, but they have something that a lot of people don't have when a death occurs. And, and that's hope. And they have hope. And there, there they lay her up in an upper room and, they, and they, they look at one another and they think, what should we do? Our good friend died suddenly and we love her dearly and she meant the world to us and she had a ministry that impacted um, dozens and dozens of people, this whole community what shall we do? We've got this great need and our, our hearts are breaking and we don't have an answer for it. And one of them says, I heard that the Apostle Peter is over there in Lydda and he's been ministering there and Jesus is still powerfully working in him. We ought to ask him to come because the power of Jesus can do something about this. And that's what they do. They send a couple of men to him. And what do they say? Please come to us without delay. So Peter goes. And Peter performs another miracle. And just like Jesus, 
when he went to see Jairus' daughter in Mark chapter 5, he comes to a place where they're weeping and they're mourning and he says, everybody go out of the room. I'm going to pray and do a miracle. And he says in, in Aramaic, Jesus, in Mark chapter 5, Talitha kumi. Talitha, rise. Talitha, arise. And Peter, who saw this miracle, he and James and John, he comes in to the upper room of this home in Joppa and he puts all the widows outside, all of the mourners outside, and he goes in there and he says to this woman, Dorcas, Tabitha, Kumi, Tabitha, arise. And she opens her eyes. And life comes back into her. And she is restored to her family. And he's, she's restored to her people. You know why? You know why the, the power of God's working like this? Because the people of God said, we have a need. Let's ask for help. So, do you believe that Jesus still powerfully works in this world? Then if you have a need, you need to ask for help. You need to ask your brothers and sisters. You need to be in that community and say, "This, I have, I have a need here, and nobody else can, can, can fill this need, can meet this need, except for Jesus. And guess what? Jesus is working through the community. Jesus is working through the church. That's how Jesus works. These weren't lone Christians, lone ranger Christians, out there on their own, just trying to figure out how, you know, how are we going to get through this? There's an answer to their problem, and that was the power of Jesus at work through a faithful witness like Peter. I want us to be a church that picks up the phone or sends that text message, message or that Facebook message or whatever it might be that says, would you pray right now? I have a need. Um, or, hey, this is going on in my life. It's a struggle right now. I need people to pray for me. And then somebody, you know what? Somebody's going to know. Somebody's going to be able to meet that need. We had, we had that happen last week. You know, if, if we wouldn't have been in community with a, a, a brother in Christ, if we wouldn't know him, and if he wouldn't have expressed to us a need... Uh, 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 so we were aware of his situation, we wouldn't have known to send a crew of men to his house to help move him in and his daughters into apartment. And to offer uh, a, a few small, insignificant gifts that blessed his heart and his family. That met a very specific need. Why? And why did that happen? Because we believe Jesus is powerfully at work in this world and we want to be a part of it. And we're, and we're listening to, trying to listen to the Holy Spirit and meet those needs. That's awesome. But we wouldn't have known had he not had the humility, the courage maybe, to say, I have a need in my life. And I know that God's people can provide that need. We may not be able to meet every need. That's true. That's true. Every need that comes... We, we, we won't necessarily be able to do everything for all people. But are you looking for people in need? Are you in need and are you looking for help? There's two sides to that. 
Jesus still powerfully works in the world. When believers are looking for people to serve in the name of Jesus, when believers are looking for help when they are in need, and when believers are looking for the place where Jesus wants them to be. When believers are looking for the place that Jesus wants them to be. See, Peter had a really good ministry in Jerusalem. Things were going pretty well. And when that knucklehead Saul left Jerusalem to go to Damascus, and then he got converted, and the persecution that they had been experiencing essentially just stopped. At least there was this respite. And, and, the, and the Word of God increased, and, and the Holy Spirit multiplied the church during that time. Peter had a pretty good thing going. And, and Jerusalem was, was, was booming. There's a mega church. Thousands of people coming to faith. All in a short time. But Peter said, Jesus still powerfully works in the world. And He's working in all of these little villages. And all these little backwoods places. I want to go there with the gospel. I want to go to that place. And Jesus directs him to that. And guess what? Peter was willing. He was willing to go to places that were not necessarily glamorous. They were not these centers of, of you know, intellect and academics and, and philosophy and even centers of religion. He went to these little country towns and guess what? He stayed with them. He made their home with them because he, he went to Lydda and he spent time with them because he must have because he was there long enough for the disciples in Joppa to hear that he was living there. And then he comes to Joppa and he performs this miracle and guess what? He says, oh, I guess I need a place to stay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to settle in here. He probably enjoyed being a fisherman. And his job is right on the sea and he's smelling that water and he's like, you know, he's hearing the waves and he's thinking, oh man, I, this shit reminds me of my, my past life, my former life before God called me, before, before Jesus transformed my life. And he probably feels pretty, pretty, pretty at home in Joppa, but, but notice where he stays. At the very end of this, this passage, it sets this up. It sets us up for what's to come. It says he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon. Good Jewish name. Probably felt, Peter probably felt, you know, like, hey, this, hey, this, is, like, this is my brother. Because Peter's name was Simon. Okay? And it says Simon was a tanner. Don't know if you know, I mean, a tanner. He takes... He takes the skins off of dead animals and he turns them into coats or jackets or, or rugs or purses or trinkets, you know. I don't know if Joppa had a booming tourist industry. Probably not. I don't think he's probably wasn't making trinkets. He's probably making pr- things that were useful. But he was a tanner, which meant that he had to take carcasses of dead animals and he had to skin them and then he had to work with the skins and, and he makes something out of them, right? Well, now if Peter 
had been a good Pharisee, he wouldn't have stepped foot in Simon's house. Because Simon, see, had an unclean work, an unclean career field. He chose poorly, according to the the Jews at the time. And Peter sees that this this is a brother in Christ. We assume, maybe not, I don't know. Maybe he wasn't a brother in Christ. But he stays with this man named Simon. He stays in Joppa. He spends time there, and he goes, well, uh, I'm, maybe he thinks, well, I'm not a Pharisee. I don't, I don't follow all those extra laws. I'm, I'm good with this. Or maybe he's just thinking, I'm just going to not worry about the social impact of me staying with a guy like this. The, 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 uh, the awkwardness or the, the, the whispering that might go on or what if, what if the elders in Jerusalem and the church there heard that he was staying with Simon the Tanner and, and Peter's like, you know what? God's at work here. Jesus is working here powerfully. Um, and this is, this is the home that opened up to me and you know, Jesus did say, as you're on mission, uh, if somebody opens their home up to you, stay with them as long as you're there, because that's a person of peace. And, and Peter found that person and stayed with them, despite how it looked to other people. And I, th- I often wonder what our communities might look like, what our lives might look like if we're willing to go to those places, yeah, hang out with, with, with those people for the purpose of the gospel, who the rest of the world goes, I don't know, those people, I don't know, those, there's, there's, some, there's something about them, maybe they're unsafe, maybe they're dirty, Maybe they listen to the wrong kind of music. Maybe they have some addiction issues. And our church is spending time with people like that. But I think some of, for, for, for many of us, we still have some hang-ups. What would it look like if we were looking to serve in the place that Jesus wants us to be. Back in the day, um, Henry Blackaby wrote a, a great little book and a, and a Bible study to go along with it called Experiencing God. It, it still is a worthy read. It still is worth studying and think about. But one of the things that he said over and over again is, find the place where God is working, and join Him in that work. When we, um, when we were deciding um, where God wanted us to be, that is, my wife and I and our, and our children, God was calling us to leave our, our former life, um, to leave the army life, um, at least full time, and to go and and, and plant ourselves in a community where we could share the gospel and sow, sow seeds that would grow into a church. 
And we wondered where that might be, and we felt God was calling us to the northwest, and so we thought we'll be there. And we looked at this place and that place and the other, and thought, man, maybe Seattle, Tacoma. We, we know that area. We've got friends who live in that area. Well, Vancouver, maybe. Maybe some other community. Um, and then God put Yakima on our hearts. And we just said, you know, I think we need to go to central Washington. And that was not the place where we wanted to be. That is not the place where church planters want to be. They don't want to be in central Washington. They want to be on the I-5 corridor where church planting is sexy. No offense to my brothers and sisters who are in those areas. There's a lot of people who need Jesus over there. I'm, it's, it's no joke. But that's not where God called us. And then as we were looking, well, where in Yakima? Downtown? You know, um, First Street? Um, Yakima Avenue? Knob Hill Boulevard? Where does, where, does, where does God want us to be? And then we discovered that God was already at work in Moxie. And Jesus was already doing something powerfully in the lives of people who lived right here. And that there was a growing need for the gospel to come to people here. And we listened to it, and we came. And we stayed here. And you could say, we've, we're, we're staying here for many days. It's been many, many days now. And I don't know how many, many more days it's going to be. But this is where God's got us. This is where He's working. And He's working through you. And we're here because Jesus still powerfully works in the world. Do you believe it? Are you looking? Are you looking for people to serve? Are you looking for help in your time of need so that you can, so that the rest of the church can can serve you and we can see God, see Christ work in, in you and in them. Are you looking for that place? It might be a, 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 a niche in service within the church. It might be a particular ministry that doesn't even exist right now in the River Church. But, but you have a heart for it and we can get behind you and help you with that. Maybe it's with children, maybe it's with youth, maybe it's with greeting and guest ministries. Maybe it's a particular outreach outside the walls of this, of this gathering. A place that God wants you to serve. Maybe as Good News Bible Club when that gets ramped up in the fall. Or Good News Club, I guess is what they call it. Maybe it's Summer Children's Program. Maybe it's something else. A place where God wants you to serve so that He can work powerfully through you. What does God want from you? What is God showing you? Are you looking? (laughs) Open your eyes. Look and see how He's working around us. Let's pray. Father, thank You for this Word. Thank You for sharing this message with us, for inspiring the human author to record this story of Peter and how he served you. Thank you that your son Jesus is still powerfully working 
around us. Lord, help us to have eyes to see the needs and to meet them, to see the needs in our own lives and have the courage and the humility to share those needs, to see the places that you would have us to go, the places you'd have us to work, even those awkward places, even those places that, that others may question. Father, help us to be wise as we do so, but to listen to your Holy Spirit. We love you. We give all of these things and pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.